Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, Snakes on a Plane. In the year 2006, the internet wrote a movie. Yeah, I guess so. Memes wrote a movie. Yeah. How many how many movies have had memes written about them since then? There's been a few. Oh, too many now. Okay, but what, what, what would be it's the not most recent? Anymore. Yeah, yeah. Is that what Ready? Oh, I'm sorry. Almost a Ready Player One again. And oh, I said it. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> is is that that's like all the memes becoming a movie, right? Mm. Yeah, that's why you don't like it. <laughs> but l- let's talk about one you like a little more today. This is Matt. This is Luke. Welcome to our sci-fi sanctuary uh the point here well first it's a sci-fi sanctuary so um i guess we just throw it on the table luke you you had qualifiers for this being sci-fi well the fact that they use a bunch of made-up pheromones to turn the snakes into killing machines is pretty sci-fi and i just think the way this film was born out of the like the internet consciousness the film itself isn't very sci-fi but it was sort of a weird signifier of what was to come in terms of how culture was gonna go. Okay, I'll take that because I was like, I was willing to just be like, oh, it's a large, you know, metal tube flying through the sky. There's, there's always something sci-fi about that. And to that end, we brought in a pilot today. He's also the co-host of Mission Log, the Orville podcast. Hello, Captain Mike Richards. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Luke. Um, I felt the same way. I kind of got through about the first half hour of this movie and I suggested it because Matt said, let's do something aviation related. And I'd never seen snakes on a plane, but I could remember the uh, sort of the, you know, when it was in the zeitgeist and very much, you know, kind of a cultural phenomenon. Uh, So I said, I'd kind of like to watch it. Um, And then about half 30 minutes into the movie, I'm like, yeah, this is more kind of action adventure, more in the vein of maybe, uh, you know, the fast and furious franchise, but just like you with the venoms and the uh, and the the anti venoms, uh, if you will, and the pheromones, I thought, yeah, this is sci fi. <laughs> that that said, this podcast has found an excuse to do showgirls. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know where the bar was. So now that I know that, I feel I feel a lot better about it. I was talking to my wife about it, and she goes, "Well, it's on the Sci Fi Channel all the time." And I go, "Really?" And she's like, "Oh yeah." So I was like, "Done." There we go. Fully qualified. So we don't have to make the showgirls excuse anyway. So, you know, of course, I've known about the movie. And of course, when when all the marketing, the meme, it's like, yeah, that's awesome. I'm like, man, I don't like I'm not into snakes. Luke, have I actually done my snake story on air? I don't think so. I always forget that you're scared of snakes until you bring it up. Yeah. 
because well okay first let's go a few years back in high school senior year of high school we're, we're spending time with family friends the son has a boa constrictor and i remember that i was perfectly happy to have the thing on my arm i didn't care right so at that point didn't care I, uh, my first job out of university was teaching environmental education in the swamplands of South Carolina. So that sounds horrifying. <laughs> so <laughs> when we're taking the kids on hikes, you have to keep your eye on is that a stick or, you know, like a coral snake? Um, so there's that. I, I remember walking by a nice big magnolia tree, South Carolina style, and a snake falling out of it right next to me. That, that didn't do well for me. And, and the worst was um, we cleaned our office space and moved the file cabinet. And behind it, we found two very poisonous snakes living behind the file cabinet. So they'd been there like pretty much the whole time we were there. So, yeah, since then, I've been like less cool with snakes. So I wasn't so cool. With, I was like, I don't want to see snakes on a plane. But, you know, I, I sucked it in. I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting ahead, but I, I laughed out loud reading your notes, Matt. Because <laughs> oh, okay. I can tell the the you know your your uh, snake phobic tendencies were coming out, <laughs> right? So Luke says I get to uh, reciprocate with a spider film sometime. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Arachnophobia, John Goodman. Yeah. <laughs> no, you have to you have to do me the favor that I've done you, and at least make them crap CGI spiders. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is how I got to the movie. Once I realized I was basically watching the digital equivalent of rubber snakes, I, I didn't care too much. Um, Luke, you've seen this more than once. Yeah, I don't think I caught it in theaters, but I definitely remember like the zeitgeist around it. And I think I even went into a bookshop and the film wasn't even out yet. And there was a book of like best quotes from snakes on a plane. Because they were just so sure that it was going to make money because the internet loved it. Um, I think they ended up buying it on DVD. Maybe not when it came out. Maybe when it dropped to like dirt cheap after like a month. Uh, but I watched it and I found it really fun. Like just dumb, enjoyable silliness. And I definitely watched it a couple of times. And then, you know, I didn't watch it for 10, 15 years. And I watched it again last night. So I guess the thing about this movie that's often on the table is it's exactly what you think it is, more or less. So <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I guess the snake pheromones is like a slight surprise, but... Uh, no, well, there's always got to be some excuse for why they're being like this, but... Yeah, yeah. I'm just wondering if this is like the... Per well, it's, it wasn't the perfect marketing, wasn't it? This movie basically broke even, if I remember. Yeah, it had like a budget of 30 million and then made 60 million, but once you put marketing and stuff in there. Yeah, it's about about the same. Well, this is, uh, maybe this is when, well, they still haven't quite learned the lesson. When people started to learn the lesson that just because the internet loves something doesn't mean they will spend money to support it. <laughs> maybe the Star Wars prequels was like the opposite um, motion. <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, it's um, also, yeah, like what seems like, wow, everyone's talking about this on the internet can just be like a thousand dudes and it can seem much louder and bigger than it actually is that's true i kind of think about that with the kiss army i think uh you know kiss tends to go platinum on everything they sell but it's the same million people buying it over and over and over again and selling out every show whenever a new star trek comes out or a video game and you get this big online like we hate it we're gonna boycott it and then it still sells like 16 million because the thousand nerds who boycotted it don't actually add up to much. But yeah, now 
one thing we found this podcast, and if this is you, listener, hello, uh, we found sometimes with more what what's the word I'm looking more broish movies. I guess this is a bit of a broish movie. Is um we get a, you know people come stumbling into YouTube like clicking on our podcast, thinking it's the actual movie. And then those <laughs> those are the episodes with the highest watch counts. That's great. A bunch of comments with like "f you." <laughs> now there was one comment on King Kong where someone was like, "I hope you guys follow King Kong around with a large shovel," and I was like, "Is is that is that a compliment or an insult?" Because I, I think I think I think it seems like an okay idea. We want to follow a big monkey, right? That's just that's just realism. Um, you're talking the Jack Black uh, early 2000s version or mid 2000s version or no, uh, the 1933 no. one. OG. Oh, okay. Going all the way back. Oh, gee. Yeah, we're, we're still working our way up to the more recent ones. Now, were you able to find the version with the spider, uh, the spider attack, the spider scene from we the original one? That was about hard that. to find. Yeah. Yeah. We, we came down on the conclusion that it's only on, um, like only on still photos. I think you're right. I think there's no film of that. Yeah. Uh, Peter Jackson remade the footage when he was making the new movie. Um, but yeah, I don't think the original footage exists anywhere. Because I have that two disc King Kong from many years ago, but I think the second disc is in America, so I don't know if it's on that one or not. <laughs> <laughs> got my my got the movie in Japan and didn't bring the the special features because I don't usually have time for special features. <laughs> um, Luke, there's a bit of a story here. You wanna you wanna tell us that tale? Oh, I didn't know I was doing the plot for this one. Oh yeah, you said you said you could do it off the duffer, I guess. So I, I probably can. Yep. Surfer boy Sean Jones witnesses a terrible murder by gangster Henry Kim and gets taken in to be a witness. The FBI flies him in first class to L.A., but Kim has snuck a container full of snakes onto the plane and some flowers full of pheromones to make them go crazy. The snakes get loose, kill 50 people, kill the pilots, and eventually video game player Keenan Thompson... Wait, that's that's the actor. Video game player Troy... (laughs) Flies the plane into plane into a landing at LAX because you know planes basically fly themselves. Any idiot can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Inciting That's why I wanted to know if you were a pilot or not before we did this. <laughs> I had myself muted for your uh, for your recap, but I just uh, just made a face. Yeah, you know, it's uh, we don't do anything. I thought yesterday was Pilot Appreciation Day, man, and you're you're doing this, but uh, it's it's a it's a complex balance of managing automation and and manually flying the airplane, depending on the conditions. Hmm. I used to drive yeah, a I mean, bus, I, but that's a different thing. Pretend I could actually fly a plane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have to throw out the fun fact that I learned to 
I had a license to drive a bus five years before I learned to ride a bicycle. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I just never learned to ride a bike growing up. And when I moved to Japan, you know, suddenly uh, where I was living, like a bike was kind of necessary. Although, Luke, bike's not necessary for you, is it? No, but I'm the crazy guy who walks like 53 kilometers for fun. Yeah, I guess I didn't do that back in the day. I will now, but yeah, well, not quite that far. I did your way to walk once. All right, we're talking about a, was it like 40 mile walk that Luke did for fun? And I did because the train line completely shut down for some reason. <laughs> train commuter. That's so a long it, way. I think I think my longest walk was about 20 miles home from a high school party that I wasn't supposed to be at. So I couldn't call for a ride. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could have like I could have found a way I could have gone back to work and probably got the rides. I've gotten hold of people in the house even though they're sleeping. But no, it's just the challenge of it all. It's like, hey, I'm going to walk 40 miles tonight. That's that's the joy of podcasting, right? It's like I'm just going to listen to like five podcasts on the way. It's cool. <laughs> Um, also, it's Japan, so it's not like, you know, I'm from Atlanta. I, I wouldn't do that at midnight in Atlanta, um, but in the valleys of Japan, it's, it's fine. <laughs> um, it is Sam Jack's movie. Nobody calls him that. I started writing that in my notes, though, just because it was easier that way. I think, not... I think your favorite reference was when you called him Acton, Acton Jackson. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I quit sending Luke my notes because he doesn't read them. <laughs> <laughs> Early on, we kind of needed them as the crutch, but now that we're more into our groove, I don't really yeah. feel the need to read them. No, yeah, no, I mean, fine. Samuel L. Jackson is the reason this film exists, basically. Like some Hollywood exec had the idea of snakes on a plane. Someone attached Samuel L. Jackson to it. The internet found out and just your imagination goes wild, right? Snakes on a plane starring Samuel L. Jackson? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> shut up and take my money <laughs> and yeah that's where the meme of just the motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane starts and next thing you know that's in the film so i didn't i saw the movie for the first time this last week um on netflix and serendipity baby because it's getting pulled off of netflix in the states here in, in about three days so i was able to watch it twice but i always thought that line was there are motherfucking snakes on the motherfucking plane so i was expecting it earlier in the movie and i'm kind of going through this thing like did i miss it like what happened like when like when do they say it like when does this when are, when's he gonna do it and then towards the end of the movie uh, we may get into that more later that's where it came and i was just like boom that's the uh really that is the climax of the movie you know you could say it's uh troy landing the plane if you wanted to but that that's not true it's it's kind of like Independence Day, right? The president's speech is the actual climax of the movie. Everything we will else is not go silently there. into the night. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, I think because and maybe the way the internet imagined the line was early in the film, there are motherfucking snakes in the motherfucking. But when they realized how popular the line was, they had to make it like a big moment at the end. And I love that bit. Like yeah. the way the way it's shot, it knows that's what you've been waiting for. Yeah, it was totally the payoff for the film. Um, and you know, your recap kind of brought me brought me back to you know my initial thoughts was I was like, you know, it's kind of a cool jam, kind of looks like a surfer movie, you know. Guy's pretty pretty handy with a dirt bike. Man, is this is this blue crush? Did they put the wrong movie on? Is it like uh <laughs> am I watching snakes on a plane? And then it was kind of like, oh. All right. Well, that's pretty violent. 
Um, and then it kind of kind of got into it, but I was not not expecting things to start out the way it did. Yeah, in terms of like the violence, none of the snake stuff bothered me. But there are a couple none of deaths of where like a stiletto goes in an ear or a guy like yeah. lands on a spike. Those ones got me. I think yeah, that was you the... go into the film expecting snake nonsense. Yeah, those are some sudden unexpected like impalements because it's like, oh, ha, 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 the railing's falling off and they're going to go <laughs> boom and fall on really sharp things yeah. <laughs> or blunt things, actually, I guess. Yeah. So, um, but, uh, what would, oh, yeah. The, the other thing, uh, just talk about this being like internet memes going into the movies. This is a year before he first shows up in the uh, adventure uh, adventures, the Iron Man clip as Nick Fury, isn't it? Which yeah. he was already represented in, in comic book form. What, like seven years earlier? Yeah. So, because they it was like, what was it? Oh, the ultimate version. Yeah, right? the ultimate version. They decided to make Nick Fury basically Samuel L. Jackson, just just because, I guess. It's like with snakes and I'm playing like the test run for doing that, maybe. I mean, just in like, I'm not even saying like in someone's mind, just like in, you know, reality's mind. Maybe. <laughs> like, it did lead to yeah, one of my I mean, time favorite comic book lines where when main universe Spider-Man travels to Ultimate and meets, he meets their Samuel Jack, their um, Nick Fury. And Nick Fury's like, oh, is there a Nick Fury in your universe? And he goes like, yeah, but he's white. And Nick Fury's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, man. It's Hasselhoff. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he did that. Uh, I think a '90s version of uh, That's the Spider Verse. I want to see Samuel. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved his line when he was like, "It's my job to make life and death decisions every day, and I'm very good at it." I mean, just that. Uh, um, I don't think that as an airline pilot, I have the same job. I have heard people say that, and I look at them and I say, "You're doing it wrong." <laughs> <laughs> but uh i think for somebody who's uh you know in the fbi business and guarding witnesses and stuff like that that's probably that's probably true and he did engender just from the beginning just an amazing amount of trust hmm. you know do what i say if you want to live um kind of thing i think i misquoted that do what i say and you'll live i think is what he said you're trying um, to make it the terminator <laughs> i did i was I, I definitely went went there uh i kind of kind of mixed those two up um but he did. He, he was he was kind of worthy of that trust right away. And it was uh, I thought I thought it was I thought he played the character. Great. I thought Julianne Margulies was great. I, kind of, I had no idea she was in this movie. Yeah, that, that was, was Claire. Yep. Yeah. The uh, the flight attendant turned uh, turned attorney. Hmm. Yeah, it's study. one of those films. It's. It's actually got quite a good cast of just many, many like bit players. Apart from Samuel L. Jackson, there's not a lot of huge star power in this movie. But everyone in it is a, I know that guy. I know that guy. Oh, I know them. Like, it's, it's a full cast of those kind of actors. Yeah, and Taylor Kitsch, if you, if you blink, you miss him. Um, from Friday Night Lights and... Um, John Carter. Exactly right. John <laughs> Carter took the... You're listening. <laughs> Thanks for saving me, man. I was struggling with for that one to reach for that one. Um, yeah, and Battleship and, and so many other things. He was uh, he was Kyle, the uh, the guy that disabled the smoke alarm and uh, conveniently allowed the snake to come out of the ceiling and ended uh, that young couple's life, sadly. Yeah, Taylor so he Kitchen. wasn't a hero in the end. Was not a hero for <laughs> Disney either. <laughs> Although we did say the movie was okay, at, at least with John Carter. I'm looking up his name. Dave, Dave uh, David Kutchner is is he's whammy. 
I'm trying yes. to tell from this Japanese yeah. rendition of Anchorman too, so I have to read his name. In Japanese. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was he was an Anchorman, and he played Rick, uh, Rick the co-pilot. And I loved Rick's moxie, man, because Rick all the well. First of all, he showed up. He's like, darling, you look like a piece of candy. You just look delicious. And uh, just starting from the get-go, man. But all the way till moments, mere moments from his death, he doesn't stop hitting on Claire. Uh, she t- takes her scarf and ties a tourniquet around his arm, and he goes. I think you're gonna need to use that shirt too. <laughs> Just doesn't, doesn't let up, man. In the in the face of overwhelming odds, like you like, what's all that one in a million talk here? <laughs> you you were saying um, he's not giving up. I guess this is yeah. yeah this is pre Anchorman men movies. Actually, two was pretty late in the game, wasn't it? It was a 2013. I see. I've lost you know time. See, the world, the universe did end in 2012. Time stopped making any sense. And if it did, it stopped making more sense two years ago, right? <laughs> Agreed. So, like, Anchor Red 2, that just came out. Whoa, no, it didn't. <laughs> there was something else that just had 10-year anniversary. Well, this movie itself makes me feel old. It still has, I guess it's because the first time we really saw the, the internet meme launch, it just sticks in your head as, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that happens. It's the only time it was... made an impression. I, you know, when, when we talked about this, um, I was talking to my co-pilot about when we thought it came out and he said, it's gotta be, he said 15, 20 years old. And I was like, what do you know? Um, and then I, saw I was 16 years old and I was like, yeah, apparently he knows a lot. So I should have probably taken him up on that. Um, so, uh, Julianne Margulies went on to do, uh, the good wife on CBS where she played, uh, an attorney wife of a kind of a crooked Chicago politician, or at least politician that became crooked over the course of the series. Spoilers. If you haven't seen the good wife. Um, but she laughed when she watched the movie with me that, uh, that's why she was leaving her flight attendant job to, uh, cause she got her law degree. She was going to get, get to be the good wife. So there's in, in universe continuity there. Yep. Let's choose to believe that. I was just uh, I saw like on uh, I think it was on the CNN website a few days ago. It was um, short lived airlines uh, that, you know, flopped. So, the, the, of course, the phone they had the picture of for the headline was the the Hooters airline, which lasted oh, yeah. for a couple of years and I yep. think more than a few years. Um, I, had, you- I had a friend flying for them and I, I was looking for a job at the time. And he goes, you don't want to work here. I'll get your stuff in, get me your resume. It was just like, you you don't want to work here. That was, that was the end of that. Uh, Luke, do you have that in the UK? You know, you know what we're talking about, right? I'm I'm aware of Hooters. I did not know they had an airline. Yeah. Now they had only like two branches of it in the UK. They had, um, they had actual flight attendants and then they'd have two or three Hooters girls in the Hooters like uniforms. Right. Mm. So they were really just there to, bounce around i guess because they had actual flight attendants that were like you know i guess licensed or whatever how, how do yeah you... so so the airline was actually uh a charter airline called pace airlines p-a-c-e airlines um and they were um contracted uh by hooters to to for marketing and product placement and that kind of thing 
um, to do business as uh, Hooters Air. Um, and you're exactly right. They had their own flight attendants. They wore kind of, uh, and I'm, they wore kind of track suits that were orange and white, like the Hooters uh, uniforms, like the Hooters colors. Um, but they were just kind of like full on track suits. And then they had the, like you said, the, the, the Hooters, actual Hooters girls that were more. I'm, How'd you I'm, put it there to ba- there to bounce around? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm looking here for. Okay, here I got I got the list coming up on my iPad here because there's one that. Um, if, okay, Pet Airways, whatever. Uh, Hooters Air. There's one that's definitely. Yes, this is it. The Lord's Airline, and the it, it's one jet. Shut. And up. it says on the side, the Lord's Airline, and it was a uh, strictly no alcohol on board uh, provided service from. Miami, Miami to uh, Israel, <laughs> and and it and it ended with like insane, like oh yeah, it ended with um, legal actions between the founders. <laughs> <laughs> Thou shall not covet, people. Come on, <laughs> Smokers Express. That's the, the smoke snake plane. On that plane. Just tries to get you to eat an apple, so it's not as bad, right? <laughs> Smokers Express. That's that's the smoking plane. So that's that's fun. Um, decided to circumvent the rule by establishing an airline based on a private club. It re- required a twenty-five dollar membership fee and was only open to people over twenty-one. So, but you can smoke on that plane. MGM Grand Air, which is super luxurious. Okay. So anyway, I just I thought I'd shout out you know someone else's work there, <laughs> claim it for our podcast entertainment purposes. But yeah, yeah, the, the Lord's airline that was that was amazing. I just need to make and, sure I got the name right. <laughs> and Luke, you know this one. I know their their call sign was Hula, um, but it was uh, Asian Pacific. What was the name of the airline? Do you remember? I think it was South Pacific. Okay. And uh, my daughter, I was having dinner with my daughter the other night. And I was, she had seen this movie, and she goes, "I just I don't get why they didn't just land." And I go, "Well, they were going from, you know, Hawaii to L.A. They were flying over water." And she goes, "Oh." No plot holes. I like it. No plot holes. I laughed so hard. We were at Lou Malnati's in Chicago, man. And I, I about six tables looked at us because I laughed so hard at that comment. Now, what is the um going way off topic? Uh what is the do you know the name of the pizza pot pie place? There's in a pizza where? pot in Chicago. The other one of the famous pizzas there is the pizza. Oh, pot we were talking pie. about that the other night. So yeah, we had uh, we were talking about <laughs> this is I guess I'm going on my Chicago uh, pizza tour. Um, but uh, Giordano's and Lou Malnati's are kind of the two Chicago style pizza places that we were talking about. Um, and then we got into a discussion of that that pizza pot pie place. Um, I think, and I don't know what I don't know where that is. I'll have to I'll have to. It was uh, way that out. It was way it's north of the city. It was like in a pretty swank part of town 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 um, because I think it was about 2009. I went up there with uh, actually guy that's often on this podcast, Mark. um, And we went middle. He was just coming because he was bored, I guess. Oh, oh, because we were going to go to the video game museum on the way and then get hot dogs and pizza pot pie in Chicago. So he was game to go. But (laughs) it was December. So it was, you know, it's Chicago in December. And we're like walking to go get pizza pot pie it was uh pretty intense because it was that's awesome god knows what level of cold at the time certainly the coldest the the dude from atlanta had experienced dudes oh i bet (laughs) 
So uh, what's right about this plane? What's wrong about this plane? Well, you know, the plane visually, and they, they mentioned that it was a 747. It looked like a 747-400, which is uh, a cent- at the time the most advanced uh, version of the 747 that had been flying since about 1970. Um, what's right and what's wrong about it? Um, you know, the first thing I noticed was when the old man, a.k.a. the captain, um, went kind of downstairs to reset some circuit breakers and take care of the avionics, which is a portmanteau between aviation and electronics. That's where that's where that word comes from. Um, he went down there to look at those. Some airplanes do have an electronics and equipment's compartment or electronics equipment compartment um, that you can access from the flight deck. Uh, the 747 is not one of those airplanes, as far as I know. You get to it from the cargo bay um, or from outside. So that's that was one thing that was wrong about it. But the you know the electronics you know the flight deck looked pretty realistic. The they were consistent with the external shots, which was nice, uh, probably because they only wanted to build one CGI model. Um, but you'll see a lot of older films that use stock footage that they'll show a you know 727 taken off, and then it's a four engine airplane at cruise, and then it's a two engine airplane when they show the landing. So that was that was pretty consistent. Um, the accessing the circuit breaker to the outflow valve by having to go down into the uh, cargo bay, um, crawl through the Jeffrey's tube, uh, not going into that thing when I know there's snakes on the plane, just sorry. And uh, <laughs> resetting that, I think was, uh, that was definitely written for, you know, just just uh, story and, and tension. Um, outflow valves. Um, are kind of maybe a little bit interesting. So you have an airplane, you want to keep it pressurized, right? Because nobody can breathe at, you know, eight miles up in the air, six miles up in the air. Um, So uh, the engines blow air into the cabin of the aircraft. Um, And if you don't let some of that air out, it's going to overpressurize. So the outflow valve modulates and keeps the cabin at a certain pressure, which equates to a certain pressure altitude. Um, Having said all that, if that outflow valve stops working properly, the airplane could either overpressurize or you could lose pressurization. So normally there's two electrical systems, uh, two different power sources, um, usually one powered by the left engine, the other one powered by the right engine. On the 747, you got four different generators. So there's lots of opportunities for backup. Uh, and then normally there's a manual backup also where you can do this thing quote unquote, manually just off the battery with a switch open and close. Some airplanes, DC-9, MD-80, things like that, had uh, actual cables that you could drive it on. So crawling through the Jeffrey's tube to get to the circuit breaker to do that thing, uh, that was probably wrong about the airplane. Um, But overall, you know, as far as the aviation part of it goes, I didn't really find a whole lot that really took me out of the story, to be quite honest. Well, that uh, shows, I guess, someone paying attention fairly reasonable yeah there was nothing um, in there that i was like oh, okay well they've made that up well, I, I would have enough. <laughs> I, I would have gone with uh um i would have gone with the fbi guy to land the plane i think no matter how much time uh keenan had on the playstation 2 and uh <laughs> you know how, how good he was uh competing against his older brother <laughs> i think i'm gonna trust uh you know the fbi guy that's got at least some some uh training keeping cool under pressure and making good decisions because keenan's flying the thing and all i'm saying to myself the whole time is what's up with that well it's like he knows how to fly does he know how to land exactly (laughs) um now um of course luke's got his head in the gaming world right 
have you come across flight simulator dorks <laughs> oh yeah 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 people okay. love flight simulator uh, they just recently brought out the most recent version and it's basically got all of google earth in it that's oh. cool people have been really enjoying that one just like flying and looking at their old house and stuff <laughs> okay that's cool i just yeah i just i never hear about that particular strain of things. Well, it's flight simulator like the real serious stuff it's so insular it does it's not doesn't come up in regular gaming conversation like being into flight sim is not the same as being into like mario kart and stuff <laughs> you've got to if people are really into it who are into it it's you know i've i've i'm not but i've i've got friends that are aviation enthusiasts that that do have flights pretty good flight simulator setups to their house and you know the the fundamentals are there you know as far as like trying to keep the the platform stable and and making you know gentle corrections and um you know the 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 ease of over controlling uh when you're trying to land or make a turn or even just fly level is is all i thought it was all very realistic as far as maybe not the exact feel and you know that kind of thing but as far as the um fundamentals as far as the concept goes i think it would help quite a bit. And there's more and more desktop type trainers that are being approved for FAA uh, by the FAA for use in flight training. Yeah. On I my will end, say I just... that no version of these realistic flight simulators is on a PlayStation 2 or a PSP. <laughs> I was going to say, I got kind of turned off. Uh, I, I think the last time I tried to use what like Microsoft flight simulator was probably like 1990 when I was 11 years old and I gave up very quickly. <laughs> when you're 11, you don't have the patience for that. It's like, Hey, I could, I could play, you know, with star Fox instead. No, you can't do that in 1990, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely get the idea. Um, so are we going to talk about, I, I kind of want to talk about hair plugs guy. Cause he had, he had kind of an interesting story arc. He had a face I recognize as well, and I was just <laughs> looking at him just now on the cast list. The character's name is Paul, and he's played by... I had him a second ago, and now I've lost him. Uh, it's an Irish actor, and to me, it looked like, oh, I know this guy, I know this guy, but I can't figure out what I know him from, and now he's disappeared from the cast list. That's weird. Mm, he maybe he's being erased we from talking? reality. He definitely <laughs> did look... Uh, he looked familiar, but first thing he said was... Something along the lines when he found out he was going to be in first class, uh, he said to Claire, um, well, are you going to get me to my meeting on time? And she was like, you know, funny thing, coach arrives the, first, the same time first class does. And, uh, and then he threatened her with a strongly letter, strongly worded letter to management. Um, then he kind of gets into it with the dog and, and the, the, the ma, the friend, I think she was French, maybe the French mom. Uh, who later sucked the snake venom out with the with the olive oil? Yeah, I'm not, maybe she I is. The actress maybe. is in the Fast and Furious <laughs> films. Okay, and she's from Brazil in those. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm yeah. not sure where she's supposed to be from, but she she was fantastic. And he looks at her and looks at uh, Mercedes and says, "Fucking Americans." Well, <laughs> I mean, only one of them, you know, was was an American. So, uh, but. Uh, Poor, uh, poor Mary Kate, man. Then he throws the yeah. dog right at the boa. <laughs> yeah, that's just rude. I, I gotta admit, I s screamed at that in shock. <laughs> um, just like out loud in the hotel, uh, was was kind of worried that 
security might get, you know, I might, I might be getting a knock on my door because <laughs> it was getting <laughs> at nine, 10 o'clock at night. So kind of, kind of borderline too late to do that. Um, but did you notice the, probably the weakest CGI in the movie? I thought, cause I really thought the CGI held up pretty well, you know, okay. for being a, a 16 year old movie. Um, I thought the worst bit of CGI was when the boa, um, consumed, uh, hair plugs guy. Most CGI struggles when it gets to when it actually has to interact with a person. Right. That's always where it falls down. And yeah, in this film, it, it's suddenly he got like transformed into a weird CG model of himself. Yeah. Yeah. I guess maybe they had to build a CG model of himself in order to make it work. Mm -hmm. Um, But man, when, when, uh, when Sam Jackson decided to open up some windows at the end of the movie um, and you saw the boa fly out the window, shaped like, exactly. I laughed so hard. I went back and looked looked at that two or three times. It's like, okay, so uh, hair plugs guy. Not a lot of character development there, but uh, he did have uh, he did have a, a story that we got to follow. A lot of heartburn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know Not how a how... lot of films kill the dog. No, I was about to say that's a rare. that's a that's a line in movies, right? Like, um, yeah, you you like was it. If you're mean to the droid, that that makes you bad, and if you kill the dog, that makes you a monster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like once he'd done that, you knew he was gonna die pretty quick. <laughs> that dude doesn't get to survive the film. No, he doesn't. But I, was there any um, re- uh, repercussions or or uh, retribution for the woman that just trampled the guy and uh, jabbed the heel of her shoe through his ear? I couldn't or or tell she just who... she just walked up to the front of the airplane was fine. I couldn't tell who that was. It wasn't like one of the main characters. It was an extra. So there's every chance that she died a bit later, but <laughs> I'd have to go back with a. Just how much do you believe in karma? Out. It's like homeboy just got trampled. Oh, he got trampled. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, you know, when you hear like, oh, there is a you know, riot at this concert and people got trampled that that that. Yeah, that's some gnarly shit. <laughs> yeah, the. um. Uh, you know, the other bit of science that I think that's qualified this as science fiction is uh, the 1970s uh, computer monitor, monitor monochromatic effect of the uh, the snake point of view, uh, yeah. the snake POV. I, I thought it was cool. I guess apparently they see in black and white. Is that that's kind of what I was what I was told. Any okay. any thoughts on correct. that? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think that's that correct. Snakes vision is not like a big deal for them. Right. I think they mostly rely on their like scent, which they get from their tongue. Because I, like, I guess crawling around at like floor level, you don't get a great view of anything, right? Yeah, that's where those pheromones came in, right? That's because mm. they because they could, yeah, they made them go nuts. <laughs> See, Luke, for you and the spiders, right? Um, they may have many eyes, but apparently they cannot see more than about six inches. Yeah, that I makes heard sense. something like that recently. Like, so if the spider, if you know, the tarantula's like on my tv over here can't see me i mean are you sure that applies to ones that big okay i'm not sure but yeah <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> I, it's relative i feel like the the, uh, the you know the fact i saw the quote unquote fact i saw on the internet uh, was like saying all spiders so hashtag not all spiders <laughs> <laughs> yeah that could be a case yeah again like i was i'm pretty sure those that the airlines i was reading about earlier were real we have photos and stuff but uh spider fact uh, you, you take that with a grain of salt 
Um, I, you know, I just, I just noticed a couple of more things uh, as far as right and wrong from an aviation point of view. What was right when, um, when uh, Rick, Rick the FO said, uh, we're more than halfway, we might as well continue. Uh, we figure a thing called an equal time point. So usually you have a headwind or a tailwind, so you can't just go by half distance, right? Because if you had a tailwind for the first half of the flight by mileage, it would take you longer to turn around and fly back. Yeah. So you actually have to kind of take the wind into account and figure out what the equal time point is, which there's some, you know, algebra involved. And thank God dispatch does that for us now and we don't have to. But back when I was at Trans World Airlines in the 90s, we had to figure that stuff ourselves. Um, another thing that uh, that Matt, you pointed out, uh, you cannot call Los Angeles Tower from 1500 miles away 1500 miles away using a uh vhf uh radio in your maybe airplane they, maybe they had some subspace <laughs> that's right they had, they had subspace um <laughs> typically what you do at that point is just um uh satcom at this point which was kind of just coming coming along in in 2006 uh before that they used hf radios and kind of transmitted to a third party that would trans uh transfer your message to to some controlling agency. So they would kind of like transfer your request over, uh, but you weren't talking directly to LAX tower or anybody on either coast when you're in the middle like that. Um, oh no, there went the thought again. Goodbye thought. <laughs> <laughs> we had the little, the little subplot of the guys on the ground, uh, like trying to get the antivenoms and stuff together. I liked that. I, liked I found, it, I found that engaging. It definitely felt like, you know, someone was making this film and like, eh, we can't just have just these scenes on the plane. There's got to be a little bit of variety, but it worked. It made the, the overall event feel more. Well, this is a big deal. I hadn't thought about what they're going to do when they land with all these antivenoms. It added a little extra layer to it. Yeah, I liked the, um, you know, br bringing in the science guy, bringing in the, uh, you know, the knowledge that, you know, these snakes are from all over the world. So they went to the you know, the criminal guy to get the, to get him. Uh, but what I did like was FBI guy. Now, after he became, you know, uh, working in the office yeah, and he was just you. like, I'm going back to my roots, man. I'm going to jump out of this helicopter and yeah. do my job. Having the time of his life. <laughs> I, I did it. like how um, snake venom guy was just like <laughs> mildly just, just he's, he's about what you'd expect snake venom guy without being over the top. You know, he's definitely yeah, like yeah. weird, but uh, <laughs> like, he seemed like a pretty accurate snake venom guy because usually you'd add a little more snark to that sort of character in a movie. But so when Sam Jackson was talking to his buddy, the uh, the office FBI guy, and he was like, "So what's life like, man? You you can tell me the truth." He's like, "Get to go home, spend with my wife. She's hot. Get to spend more time with the kids. They're great." <laughs> <laughs> Sam's just like, "Yeah, keep telling yourself that, man. I know the truth." <laughs> I'm Luke Summerhays. I'm James J. Moyles. And I'm Muss. Welcome to Game Game Show, the game show about games. The unique podcast where four white men talk about video games. Look, Luke, when in doubt, don't go with me. <laughs> no, my thing is just like, uh, you usually do these quizzes, yes, no, yes, no, right? <laughs> <laughs> Luke, no one is that lazy. <laughs> 
we'll say like what 10 seconds that's probably usually <laughs> long enough yeah 10 seconds there we go i mean you're not going to time it so it really doesn't matter does fucking it will time it me i've got a, got to get on my, up on my tablet you just... fucking dog I'll deduct the point, mate, with any more of this slander. <laughs> Imagine being tied with me. <laughs> this round is called Punching Upwards. I'm going to name some video gaming celebrities who are much more famous than us. And you're going to tell me for what reason they were cancelled. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I have no idea who they are. Uh, I feel like this will be a trend for all of these people. <laughs> Game Game Show is a comedy panel game show about video games. Find it wherever you get your pods by searching Game Game Show. Find us on Twitter at Game Game Show. Or find this podcast and others that me and my pals create by going to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius. So um, I, I, I'll go on the record saying I don't like flying. It's not a fear of flying. It's that I'm really tall and yeah, I can usually only afford coach. Um, <laughs> so, um, I did get bumped once. It was actually in university and we got discount student tickets to Portugal, Spain. We went to Portugal, Spain, Morocco, came back up. And they're, you know, the thing where we were overbooked and well, you can take, we'll give you vouchers in the future, but we ended up getting bumped to first class. So it was like a 200 buck plane ticket which where we got a six to eight hour first class ride back. So that was very cool. And and nice. that, yeah, my legs had ways to stretch. Wow, that's, that's nice. And yeah, I guess my most, uh, what is it? My, my hair. Oh, I thought it was fun, but the, uh, have you ever la- tried to land at Jackson hole? <laughs> no. Um, but we go, we, we go into um, some other ski resorts that are kind of like, you know, in the, in the bottom of a valley. Yeah. Yeah. That was just a wild ride in a propeller plane, which I, I guess, you know, it's like they do it every day. So I'm like, well, it's yeah. kind of fun, I guess that that was the most fun plane ride I've ever had. So, um, uh, <laughs> I, Luke, that was basically me just getting to get you to tell me your, your flying. Well, you know, I'm five foot seven. So flying is no problem at all for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's cool. I hadn't flown a lot. I've been on a couple of holidays as a kid. Um, but then, yeah, obviously I flew to Japan by myself. So that was the longest I've ever done. It's basically like a full 24 hours of traveling once you put the coach in and stuff. Um, my main memory of that flight is that I had the in-flight movie, but my headphone port only worked if I held the headphone in manually. So I was trying to watch Wonder Woman, but I couldn't let go of the jack or I lost my sound. <laughs> they weren't showing snakes in a plane? Maybe. No. <laughs> No, they were not. But- yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crammed in there. I, I I I get why, especially if you're tall. Um, I mean, I'm I'm six feet, you know, on my uh, in shoes, and it's um, it's it's tight. I mean, it really is sometimes. So I I get that. Um, and we try to keep it as comfortable and get the air conditioning on early to try to make it as comfortable as as we can for everybody. Um, cause we, we know the challenges and there was the scene that kind of reminded me of the scene in the airport where, uh, in the movie where the, the air conditioning went out and they realized there was something that, that needed to be fixed. Um, something that was something else that was, you know, wrong with the movie is that if you don't have that air coming in, 
you know, when you're at altitude, you're going to depressurize, you know, it's just, you're just not going to be able to maintain, um, maintain pressurization like that. But another thing I learned in the movie is that clearly uh, two minutes and 30 seconds is too long to cook a snake in a microwave. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 10 to 15 sets of uh, 10 to 15 seconds of Aquanet with the lighter is just perfect. Just yeah. that. <laughs> you you got to know how to cook your snake. <laughs> oh, well, actually, people, I mean, I've seen snake ramen before. And um, people definitely eat snake. Yeah. And is 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 it where is it in Japan where they have the uh the snake sake? I don't know where. But it, I know it might it be is. Okinawa where yeah where it's got the snake in the in the liquor or the Nihonshu bottle which yeah I don't want that. <laughs> and I've eaten the worm and the mezcal before, but yeah. Well, I would drink the snake sake. Yeah, the secret the, to eat the, eating the worm and the mezcal is that you just finished the bottle of the mezcal. So the yeah, whatever. <laughs> so that's cool. Um. In terms of the snake carnage, the bits that I always remember, for obvious reasons, are the snakes on the boobies and the snake on the willy. <laughs> so the snake on the snake on the booby, I was like, that was that was the first. I think that was the first snake bite, except maybe maybe the other guy went on the shoulder first. I don't think so. Yeah, I think the booby was maybe it's anyway. That was the first scene of, of yeah, snake yeah, yeah. carnage. And that was horrifying. But when dude goes in there, dude, that I'll just call him dude. That was hard to like. Um, you know, checking himself out in the mirror and how you doing, big guy looking down there. It's like, oh God. But he's like, you know, undoing his pants. I'm like, don't do it, don't do it, don't take it out, don't take it out, don't take it out, put it away, put it away. Oh God. <laughs> that, that's the film telling you right up front, hey, don't worry, this isn't a real horror film. <laughs> You're about to enjoy this one. But yeah, I, I, that's <laughs> the line is like fucking snake, get off my fucking dick. <laughs> I am tired of this motherfucking snake on my motherfucking dick. <laughs> uh, how many times do we have to mutter that to ourselves? Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. One other thing on the, the, the microwave. Um, in Japan, we got these little tortilla wraps and you get them and they're in plastic and you can they'll heat them for you. And they always ask, do you mind if I if I cut it with a little bit with scissors so it you know so it doesn't explode and I, I'm always kind of like just tempted to be like no you don't cut that you put it in the no. microwave you <laughs> <the> microwave <laughs> we're, we're gonna watch it blow up <laughs> I used to have a habit of microwaving a lot of stuff when I was a kid uh, the most memorable ones when you microwave a raisin it grows back to the size of a grape but it's also rock solid and it smells of smoke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's um, science and if you and microwave action. an egg, it explodes hard. It explodes so hard that if you hey. put a glass over it to be safe, it shatters the glass. <laughs> this is just a raw egg? Yeah, just raw, an egg. Just chicken egg? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Me and my How long does that take to happen? Not long. <laughs> Not long, surprisingly. Um, and I also had a, I went for a weird phase where I would microwave peanut butter sandwiches and the bread goes all chewy and weird. <laughs> I don't recommend it, but I, I was into it for a while. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, Luke, I just think you figured out what we're going to do with these students for summer school. <laughs> Come on, kids, or get around, gather around the microwave. <laughs> we're going to explode some stuff. <laughs> There's got to be some math that you can, you know employ to predict how long it'll take um, so the uh 
I can't play an over. We'll set the over under three minutes. Um, two and a half on a snake. Um, again, getting back to the snake carnage. So they were looking for the doctor, right? Because uh, the little brother got bit, and that was sad, right? Because the big yeah. brother was supposed to protect him, but he drew the picture of the snake and saved him. So it all it all worked out okay. But they were looking for the doctor, and they see the doctor kind of dead, <laughs> and the snake crawls out of its mouth. Yep. So, like, what are your uh, thoughts on how the snake got oriented to crawl out of the doctor's mouth? Did it, oh, did it go it in and turn around? And it went up through. The, it went up through. <laughs> so you're thinking it went up through the butt. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I hadn't thought about it until now, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. I'm just like, why did the snake even want to go there in the first place? <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, could it have gone down and turned around? I don't. I think I don't. I'm going to have to ask it. I'm going to ask the, the most knowledgeable guy on the, uh, on the movie. So up through the butt. Yeah. Did it um, have to go through the entire intestines? Yeah. Okay. Well, that took a, a long way. It's, it's way through. It was real happy once it was coming out then. Okay. Yeah. It's been up in for a while. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the, the two kids, something I find really funny. There's three child actors in this film. Cause right at the start, there's the kid who wants the autograph. And then there's the two brothers. There's the baby. And the baby, I guess. But the younger of the two brothers, his only picture online is a screenshot from this film. But the other two, I guess, have done a bit more acting because now they've got um, like headshots of them looking buff adult. Oh, no way. <laughs> dudes, yeah. So I'm like, who the fuck is that? And then I read the name. And it's like, oh, that's one of the kids. But here he is with his pecs looking like a... <laughs> <laughs> Well, and then, gotta... yeah, the, the little kid, I guess, didn't do any more films after this because his only picture is a screenshot from this. Film. That's funny. Yeah, I looked up a few people. I looked up uh, Mercedes and what she had done. I can't remember right now. Um, I think she was on maybe a maybe a soap soap actress for a little while and did some modeling. And I looked up uh, the actress who played Tiffany, the flight attendant as well, uh, which is kind of funny because I'm married to a Tiffany who's a former flight attendant. So uh, you know, they're on that part of the hot crazy scale, you know, down by uh, hairdressers, strippers and girls named Tiffany. Don't know if you guys are familiar with that chart or not. On thinking of snake carnage, uh, is, is that part of your offer to fight things in a steel cage? Will you fight snakes? Hmm. I mean, he, I, th I think I'm on record of saying I'll fight any animal of the payers choosing. So I guess, but... <laughs> I've never really uh, thought about how you fight a snake. I know. It's a little grab, weird. I think you grab them behind the head and they're basically useless, though. Which so which leads gun. me to a question. So, um, one, loved the use of the taser on the snakes by yeah. uh, by Acton Jackson. And also, um, flight attendant guy, the uh, surprisingly straight flight attendant guy, I guess, was the was the joke at the end guy. of the movie. Yeah, that maybe hasn't aged as well. Yeah, yeah no, it hasn't, hasn't aged anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, my wife and I were watching, I was like, what oh god so it, we kind of <laughs> dawned on both of us at the same time yeah um but he, so he he reaches down and grabs the snake by the tail and yeah, i'm like that's not the smart way to grab a no snake. <laughs> <laughs> but it was right he was quick quick thinking with the microwave i like the kickboxing guy he was cool and he grabbed the snake right where you grab a snake kickboxing guy was cool um flight attendant trying to uh trying to do those kind of kicks man you gotta warm up you gotta stretch yeah you can't just you can't, can't just kick like that cold 
I did like how this movie had like pretty much the straight up 70s disaster movie structure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, just like because I, I well, you saw my notes. Oh, 20 minutes and no snakes. We must be fine. Because you know, like the disaster rates the whole first act is just like everyone's stupid stories. Yeah. yeah, yeah you've got to have a you've got to give every character like one minute of setup. So yeah, you got some you got some character development. You know, you got to. You got to get there. You got you got to let let them know who's having marital problems and who's uh, who's not, who's cheating on whom and with who and that kind of stuff. So it was uh, definitely that. But um, Matt, have you have you have we talked on during the recording about your? We've talked a little bit about your kind of. You said you're a little bit fearful, I guess, of snakes or not. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, like yeah. I mean. Okay, here I'll give two two other instances after the snake falling out of trees and finding them behind file cabinet. So, <laughs> like a year later, I'm working at a different camp teaching environmental education, and you know they have the reptile guy come. So all the kids, oh, come touch the reptiles. And I'm just like kind of slowly taking a few steps back to the back of the room, so no one's like, okay, teacher, here do it too. Um, and then about three years ago, it's at the family house. Uh, so you know, nice old Japanese house and i'm sitting in there the, the door is closed and there's there's two snakes in the gutters and my oh. father-in-law is getting them out with a broom while i'm like cowering behind the, the glass door so <laughs> <laughs> but mad's notes are like okay watching the movie i don't see any snakes yet is this even a snake movie three minutes in still no snakes maybe i'll get off easy six minutes in haven't found a snake yet maybe this movie's not even about snakes 23 movies 23 minutes in haven't gotten seen any snakes maybe i dodged a Maybe I dodged a bullet. Oh God! Here come the snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, how pissed off were you at the pointless jump scare right at the end? Um, I knew there was good. I, I think that's in my notes too. Like waiting for the jump scare, waiting for the jump scare. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like I mean it was so obvious, right? So you're just like where where does it hit? You know. Um. I, I always point out Event Horizon being the movie that just completely pissed me off with the jump scares because the jump scares in that like, what are you doing from like the crewmate earlier in the movie? It's just, you know, but also I saw it in the theater. So I guess a jump scare in a movie theater and a jump scare on your laptop are also two very different things. Mm, true. And by that time, I'd seen so many, you know, rubbery looking CGI snakes. I'm like, kind of whatever. So yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't think it was it was definitely not effective. In fact, I, I don't even really really remember it. Um, what I do remember though was the uh, the closing credits by uh, Cobra Starship. <laughs> man, that yeah. was fantastic. Um, took me took me back in time. I remember hearing that song uh, being being played all over the place, and uh, just loved the energy. Loved loved the video. Man, just riveting. Kept me uh, kept me glued to the closing credits. It's really it actually funny to go back to now because they put that in and the fact that you've got a music video in your end credits suggests that they think these guys are going to be huge. Yeah. <laughs> and you never heard about Cobra Starship after this song. No. <laughs> no, they had the uh, the the other song with uh, Late Meester, who uh, was also in the Orville uh, uh, episode, Lasting Impressions. And... Uh, so they did the song Bad Boys um, or something along those lines. I was like, yeah, I think this was the one uh, single that got released because they got to do the Snakes on the Plane song and the radio. Uh, excuse me. The record label is still trying to push them pretty hard. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I didn't actually care. I, I didn't know the song because uh, 2006, yeah, I would have been in Japan. And I don't think the movie really 
took much traction here. <laughs> um, Although you guys are all know. waiting for uh, Space Battleship Yamato to come out in 2010. That was only four short years away. So that that is true. <laughs> that that was a massive film here. Um, after the the Tohoku quake, you know, I had a little time off, and I was actually watching Space Battleship the, the anime on my laptop. But they were still having aftershocks from the quake and the elementary school had, uh, you know, you'd hear an alarm from the elementary school and the space battleship Yamato's red alarm and that sound were the same thing. So it was really confusing. <laughs> <laughs> it like, yeah. I love that you said red alarm. Yeah, red alarm. Red alarm. <laughs> I've been brainwashed. <laughs> I've turned into a pack lid, okay. When, when Matt first saw that episode, I was hearing about Red Alarm all day, every day for like a week. Oh, <laughs> that God. Red I was crying at that. And just the, the just the dumbness of the voice. Red Alarm. <laughs> the worst I've ever had was um, Tim and Eric's uh, Tim and Eric Awesome show where they have the uh, advertisement for a fake rock band called uh, Pusswick Bang Gang. And my wife got pissed off me because I, I watched it. I started laughing. I didn't stop laughing until about two months later. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one was it. Kiss me once. Shame on you. Kiss me twice. Let's party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do love that. Kiss me once. Shame on yeah, shame on you. Okay. Kiss <laughs> me twice. Let's party. So I was making sure I was getting that right. Uh, another one's just like flip you the bird, flip you. The Sorry, I'm going to start laughing for another two months, but yeah, sometimes I laugh at jokes too long. <laughs> right there with you, man. Anyway, it is 15 years later. How's how's this movie looking in the in our the future that is our present? Like some films ask big questions about the human condition and about you know what does our place in the universe mean? But not every film has to do that. Sometimes a film can just ask, "What if there were some snakes on a plane?" <laughs> <laughs> and this film does that really well. Like I'm very glad this film exists. I, I haven't some... seen it in a long time, but going back to it, I'm like, yeah, this is just fun. I hope they people don't make so many just dumb creature features these days, but I want to see more of them. <laughs> I wrote somewhere uh... in my notes a die hard on a snake. <laughs> yeah. I uh I, I I I'm gonna give it probably the highest recommendation I can. Um I saw this movie for the first time. Uh I think Saturday night, possibly Sunday night in the hotel I watched it. Um could not wait to watch it again um was looking forward to watching it again so the fact that i never saw it before really really enjoyed uh the film really really enjoyed the rewatch um i'm glad this movie exists i'm glad we watched it and uh i i had a lot of fun and if you're looking for something you know just a little hour and 40 minute distraction um you know that'll uh uh you know shock and delight you i would i would recommend snakes on a plane 100 percent five stars 
I wonder if the reason it's not that beloved is because of the whole meme thing. And people were like, oh, well, this has to be the most hilarious film ever made or they've wasted it. And it's like, no, it can just be an, an OK romp. I don't know. You know, it uh, it could be like uh, James T. Kirk said in Arena, we have a natural disdain for reptiles <laughs> when he was fighting the Gorn. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's why we don't like it. It's not as beloved as it as it could be. No. You said you wanted more creature features, but I feel, is this where the whole like kind of sci-fi channel um, weird creature feature thing started with bad CGI? I haven't really seen these films, you know, like the sh- your shark, shark well, natos uh, and stuff. Well, yeah, because alongside this, there was Snakes on a Train. Was the straight to DVD knockoff that came out when this film came out. Mm. Yeah. Which so those, they're called like, Mockbusters. Yeah, Mockbusters. Yeah. 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 I kind of want to see snakes on a train because apparently that one's about like voodoo. He puts a voodoo curse on the train and it's full of snakes. <laughs> now, you know, pheromones. It uh, was way more believable. Um, I was doing a lot of voice to text transcribing on this one. I was watching and it came out as pheromones. <laughs> and I just left it in my notes. <laughs> there, I guess you're right, Matt. The the creature features are being made, but they're just not being made at like the cinema scale. They're being made for the sci-fi channel and this kind of schlocky mockbuster stuff. But yeah, I would say probably around from 2006 to like 2011 might have been like the golden age of of sci-fi channel, you know, mockbusters, uh, spiders, Sharknado, mega shark. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like the two different things together. Yeah. Shark to puss and, you know, things, things along those lines. I guess it was that Um, little window where they knew they'd still make a lot of home video money. Like people would still buy this on DVD. Whereas, you know, after 2011 or so, I'm actually not sure when people start streaming because I haven't been to the States since 2010, but, uh, you know, Somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't, maybe a, a crappy film like that doesn't make that much money on like a Netflix. Because now it's like you just make a complete TV series of something, but I guess there needs mm-hmm. to be like a you have to make it at least smell a little bit like peak TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make just stretch it out for ten hours and call it a call it a series. Yeah. <laughs> like Samuel L. Jackson is the king of this shit because he did Jurassic Park, Snakes on a Plane, and Kong Skull Island. There was a shark one too, though, right? Oh, Blue yeah, water, uh, deep water, something see. like that. We made their brains bigger and they got smarter, right? That was a line. That was kind of like their attempt at this line, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, Samuel Jackson is the king of. Yeah, that's all you need in a movie. You just need a beast and Samuel L. Jackson. It was. was- I'll watch yeah. that every day for the rest of my life. And one of the top <laughs> 10 film quotes ever. You had that in too. <laughs> it was good, man. I was by the time by the time that line was delivered, man, I was uh I was wound up just ready to go. It was awesome. I guess and, we'll, uh, oh go ahead. Oh, um, either of you guys surf? Um no, nah, I, I have no stay standing up on a skateboard. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I was, I was, when I was a kid, I, you know, I played, I, I had the poser look. I had the Edward Furlong hair and the flannel shirts and the floppy jeans, but I couldn't skate. I played in a band, so I guess I, that made up for it, but I was definitely like that's a poser. It, no, you're no, definitely I, cool. I, do I the, just, the like lamest possible version of extreme sports in the ice ski. Nice. <laughs> I just, uh, I saw the scene at the end where um, Sean was teaching Flynn how to surf 
And, you know, they had both of them kind of laying down paddling and, you know, in a very kind of seamless transition and pan out, it looked like the same two guys jumped up on the surfboard, um, which is very difficult to do if you're not an experienced surfer. I think Samuel Jackson does surf. There's a couple of gags in the MCU about him surfing as well. Oh, no way. Okay. So I think he might be a legit surfer. Good. Well, that's, that scene was well done. And it, yeah, it, I, if I it wasn't him, it looked great. Thought. I was like, I haven't noticed a cut. I think this is still the actors. So that was pretty cool. Now, my beach growing up was uh, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And uh, you don't, you can't surf there. Maybe in okay. winter. You get a, you get a wetsuit you get yeah. in winter, but in summer, no. <laughs> yeah, there's there's surfing on the, uh, you know, the ocean side of Long Island. Um, Fire Island, uh, the Hampton beaches and those kind of things. Um, but, uh, I was never, I was just a, we were too poor, man. I was a body surfer guy. Yeah. Can I, yeah. Yeah. I do add. <laughs> Again, I didn't learn to ride a bicycle till I was 25. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I wasn't like a great balance guy. I don't know. <laughs> um, I guess we'll wrap up today. Uh, Mike, if you could tell folks what you're up to, especially with your podcast, uh, this is actually like airing and four days or something so if you have anything timely feel free to share it yeah i'm working with uh with the roddenberry podcast network on uh mission log the orville where we look at every episode of the orville and uh tear it apart and look for meanings morals messages and kind of to see um how well does the show align with the kind of the star trek philosophy um we've got brandon braga joe minoski um um uh, Marvin Rush, a lot of Star Trek DNA in that show. David Goodman, uh, we just interviewed in a supplemental that that uh, dropped April 27th. So check that out. Um, and we're waiting for the premiere of season three on June 2nd on Hulu. So uh, if you haven't checked out the Orville, I encourage you to check it out. It's really good sci-fi. Um, and it has, you know, Seth's kind of unique brand of comedy, which just makes the characters more relatable. Um, but it's but it's real science fiction. It's real. Uh, uh, human issues looked at from a global perspective and we're going to start getting into season three here on june 2nd so that's uh we're on twitter at ml underscore the orville and you can find us at podcasts.roddenberry.com and you can get me on twitter at m richards 1701 okay well this podcast has been matt and luke's sci-fi sanctuary you can find it on twitter at mlsfs pod we're also on Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Just search Matt and Luke Sci-Fi Sanctuary. Make sure you rate and review, like and subscribe, blah, blah, blah. When the numbers go up, we feel good. Um, if you want to help support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius, where you can throw us a dollar a month to help keep it online and help cover Zoom and stuff like that. And from there, you can find links to all the other podcasts me and Matt create. So even if you don't want to support us, that's a good way to go and find our stuff. That's patreon.com slash podcastio podcastius. Okay. Um, I don't know. Is it... I have had it with these motherfucking listeners on this motherfucking podcast.
coming soon. Try. Baba Hotep. <laughs>